Hello, this is Pastor Jimmy Harper. Thanks for listening to this Lee University broadcast. We're excited that you are joining us today for one of our many campus events. We hope that you are encouraged as you listen. The New Testament lesson this morning comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 11, 17 and following. Listen now for a word from our Lord. On his arrival, that is Jesus, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. But Jesus said to her, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he said, do you believe this? This concludes the reading from the Gospel of John. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. In the Ezekiel passage this morning, we had a question. A question littered with doubt, a question that teases the imagination with, impossibility. The question was, can these bones live? Death comes to us in a variety of ways. It can come suddenly. It can come very slowly. It can come virtually unnoticed, or it can come on a massive scale. The village of Boykovina in the Ukraine experienced this massive scale between the years of 19 36 to 1941. Right around midnight, these large trucks carrying a mysterious cargo would rumble through their village, creating plumes of dust as they went through the village, up around a hill, around a bend, and down into a valley. At first, it was just a lot of excessive flies in the neighborhood. But then came the smell. And the villagers decided to go out and investigate. And what they found in that village would paralyze them into a silence that la would last 40 years. Over 50,000 Russians had been just dumped in that valley under Stalin's great purge. It was truly a valley of bones. Not buried, just dumped. And the people of the village of Boykovina asked the question, will those bones live? There was a young soldier, just 25 years old. His name was Brezhnev. He was in the Red Army under Stalin's regime. And he had seen death on a massive scale, but he had also experienced death in a more intimate, personal way. Both of his parents had died, all of his uncles, all of his aunts and cousins, they had all perished. And he had experienced this death firsthand. And he would often ask the question, 
Will I ever see them again? This morning, as I was making my way to Lee University, I decided to walk. Since I didn't have to bring all my communion supplies, I just had my robe, walk right over here. And I came over, and as I was getting to 8th Street, you know, where that four-way stop is, where the public library is, I'm walking along, and there is this biker. No helmet. He flies past me on my left-hand side, and he doesn't stop through the stop sign. Well, neither did the car coming the opposite way. And the car smashed into the biker, flying the biker onto the asphalt. He hits his head, smashes his head into the asphalt, and he severs part of his head. Cerebral spinal fluid is coming out. His eyes have dislodged from the retinas. His teeth have shattered all over the ground, and the skin on his face has been totally removed. There are tons of witnesses. People stop their cars. They're getting out. They're asking questions. The police and the ambulance have been called, and they, they got there really quick. Just like two minutes they were there, and they pronounced that this young man had died at the scene. And so the police started asking the witnesses, getting the testimonies. And as the EMT men are lifting up this man onto the stretcher, all of a sudden, the deceased starts to wiggle. And the EMT people kind of step back a little bit. And then all of a sudden, in front of all the witnesses, this young man sits up, and his skin on his flesh begins to be restored. His eyes go back into his socket. His head is completely re re renewed. And his teeth, as if magic, float up into the air and go back into his mouth. And then he breathes. He opens his eyes, he looks around, and he's totally bewildered about what's just happened. Okay, so if I was to tell you that story, which I just did, would you believe me? Dr. Brindle, would you believe that story? I think it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> what? I'm the preacher! I'm not going to just stand up here and tell some fictitious story. Of course it's ridiculous. It's preposterous. Things like that don't happen. Well, if you don't believe that story, then let me ask you another question. What do you do then with the passage in Ezekiel? Or how about this question? Why do you believe then a story of 2,000 years ago of some man who was crucified, then he was, his side was split open, blood and water is pouring out. He is dead not just for 10 minutes, he is dead for three days. And then the story continues where these angels help him roll back this massive stone, and he resurrects. His body is totally renewed and transformed, and now he's walking around having fish sandwiches with his buddies on the beach, and all these witnesses see him. Tons of witnesses, hundreds of witnesses, but those witnesses happen to be dead now, and four of those witnesses couldn't quite get their details straight, so we have a variety of stories of the resurrection story in our Gospels. Why do you believe that story? Okay, don't everybody answer at once. I know that was a rhetorical question. I propose an answer. 
I propose that maybe you believe that story because you have experienced the resurrected Christ. That somehow mysteriously, profoundly mysterious, you are somehow a witness. And then you give witness or testimony to what you have experienced. On this Lenten journey, which is 40 days long, we know the end of the story. But we don't know the end of the story because someone has told us the story. We know, like deep down inside, we know the story because we've experienced the story. And for some of you today, in a, in a given minute notice, you'd be able to stand up and give witness that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And not only that, Jesus continues to say, he who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asks a question. Do you believe this? The question is not only posed to Martha. The question is posed to all of us. Do we really believe this? Can those bones, those dry bones, can they live again? The belief in the resurrection is pivotal. It is central. It is the cornerstone of our doctrine. In fact, without Easter, Christmas, and Good Friday, they seem incomplete. Easter is the central part of who we are. If Jesus Christ really rose from the dead in new, renewed flesh, if he really rose from the dead, and then he ascended to heaven, and that there is a human being at the helm of creation right now. And we really believe that he will come again to judge the quick and the dead, and that when he comes, he will raise up all of the dead, and we will have our flesh restored, and we will be able to see our loved ones again. For me to be able to see my grandmother, to embrace her, to see her eyes, to hear her laughter, to talk to her, that is the best news ever. That is the good news. Essentially, that is the gospel. We are not ambassadors of a dead hero. We are ambassadors of a living God. And when that life encounters us, as good news does, it bubbles over and we become people of peace in a world of war, builders in a world of rubble, healers in a world of sickness. We become people of life in a world of death. And you, as people of life, are entrusted to bring about thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Do you believe that? Dr. Brendel, do you believe that? Yes, I do. Yeah, I do too. Brezhnev had seen death on a massive scale. He had seen it on a small scale. He didn't like death. Who likes death? Brezhnev wanted something better for his country. He wanted a country that would grow, that would be strong. In fact, he wanted a country that would last forever. 
And so he worked very hard to combat anything that had to do with death. And in his mind, it was to increase the military and increase the space program. And as he worked up the ladder as a decorated soldier, he became the leader, the commander in chief of the Soviet Union for 18 years. And while he put lots of money into the military and the space program, he began to neglect the education system, the healthcare system, and all the other different types of resources. And some would even say that Brezhnev primed the pump for the collapse of the Soviet Union just eight years after his death. He died in November of 1982. It was quite a funeral. Dignitaries from all over the world came. The funeral was outside on this massive square on a gray dab drab day. And his casket was up top of some steps, open for viewing. And there at the side of his casket was a woman in a dark fur coat with a fuzzy hat wrapped around her head. And she stood gazing in down at her husband. As the dignitaries filed by, she stood there. As the rows of horses and the soldiers came by, she still stood there. And as the musicians finished their requiem, she stood there. Finally, a soldier comes to close the casket. And with a jerky moment, she stops his arms, as if to say, just, just one, one more look. And then the story goes that as she looked down upon her husband, she took her hand and she placed it on his chest and she made the sign of the cross. And then the casket was closed. Can those bones live? She waits. She waits. That's what we do, like Psalm 130 says. We, we wait. We wait. We wait with Abraham and Moses. We wait with Peter. We wait with John the Revelator. We wait with all the bishops and the saints and the elders before us. We wait with the communists. We wait with the atheists. We wait with the Muslims. We wait with the Jews. We wait with the presidents. We wait with the servants and the slaves and the kings. We wait with the Russians and the Japanese because death is the great equalizer. We wait, but as Christians, we do not wait without hope. We wait with faith. We wait with anticipation. We wait as witnesses. As witnesses. That morning comes after night. That spring comes after winter. That life comes after death. In the long span of time, there comes those rare and electric moments when history is thrust across an irrevocable divide, when an event shakes the very landscape we're on, and the aftershocks move outward, altering the destiny of the entire world. And that event is the resurrection of the dead. That event, my friends, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ.